Welcome survivors, burnout community, and those just interested. It's Kelly Bubolt's owner, trainer, and burnout prevention mentor at KB Training Connections. Burnout is not taboo. It's our reality in this fast-paced society. But we are not going to let it drive the narrative to our stories. We're going to do something about it. So let's dig in. Three ways that you can re-engage your workforce in this post-pandemic type of scenario. This is a really hot topic now on blogs, on YouTube, on the trainer field, because we're trying to get the workforce back into a productive mode. But what we're not understanding and why this is even on my channel is we first need to get people out of survivorship mode. We need to move them back to a safe space. And I know a lot of management teams and executives I work with say, Ugh, I don't want to talk about that. Those are emotional feely jillies. But you have to realize the human brain all works the same, regardless if you're male, female, executive, blue collar, white collar, what have you. If you are coming out of a very chaotic space, such as a pandemic, you need to move yourself out of survivorship mode. And I'll give you three tools today that you can use starting already tomorrow to move your workforce from that survivorship mode out of zombie mode and back to energy. The first one actually comes from Gallup data showing 25 to 31% less turnover if you can incorporate this in your one-on-one meetings. So one-on-one meetings are those meetings you have every week, every two weeks, at the most once a month, closed door conversation where you're catching up on projects and updates. But here's where you want to incorporate some safe conversations. Outside of project and updates, I want you to start having conversations if their opinion matters, if their voice is being heard. The number one reason why people check out is their voice isn't heard. They don't get along with their leaders. They pretty much had enough. And when you're in this disillusionment phase, the lowest stage of change and chaos, they're deciding if they're going to stay or go. So their voice being heard is going to be important. Are they working where their strengths are? Do you have enough conversation going on to know what their strengths are, what they enjoy to do? These are the daily wins that are going to keep them coming back for more. Certainly, there's an amount of chaos and supply chain hurdles and turnover happening in every industry. But are they still having those small wins every day? The things they're really good at, the things people are coming to them to reference, to teach. Are you utilizing their strengths or are they stuck? The last one you want to have to provide a safe conversation is clear expectations. In the amount of chaos that's going on, do they actually understand what they should be doing, should be working on? I remember in probably the worst part of my burnout, I was working on so many things. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be working on. What is the priority? What's the top three priorities? What's the thing at the end of the day you'd be happy with that I worked on, regardless of what the outcome is, if I finished it, if I started it? Do they have clear expectations of what they should be working on? Bring that clarity to them. So the first tool is, are you bringing an environment of safe conversation into those one-on-ones instead of just talking about all the projects, talking about updates? They need a little more to move out of the survivorship mode. The next one is, are you providing an environment of cognitive resets? We underestimate the power of how much the brain can do when it resets. Picture this. This is what's currently going on. Zombie mode. Every day is Groundhog Day. Every day is the same. You have employees sitting in the parking lot not wanting to go in because it's going to be the same. And they're looking for proof of that. Every meeting is going to be the same agenda. 
Every time they step in that conference room with that person, this is going to happen. Every time they step in the room with you, this is going to happen. We need to mix things up a little bit, don't we? Don't change things too fast because obviously that can provide a chaotic environment, but just introduce little changes to help this cognitive reset. Here's a few. Movement. Are you having long meetings sitting? What about a standing meeting? What about breaking this meeting up? Do you even need to have this meeting? How many meetings do you not need to have? Standing meetings not only keep it on task because people don't want to stand that long, but it keeps them engaged in the conversation. Even walking meetings. If you want to do a one-on-one meeting, it's nice out do a walking meeting. When do you need technology in a meeting or one-on-one and when do you not? Certainly technology has brought us a lot of things, connection, virtual nature, remote work. But when do you not need technology? When do you not need the spreadsheets up? When can you actually have a face-to-face conversation? This can be remotely, right? Webcams. This can be in person, maybe not staring up at a screen. When can we have this human connection and conversation again? There is a huge difference in the dynamics of in-person trainings and virtual trainings when I do them. Can we get back to looking at a person, watching their body language and human connection? Knowing that the highest communication is visual through body language. Can we get back to that? The other thing that you can do when you can get away from technology is outdoor meetings. So outdoor meetings have actually proven through research to open people's creative minds, to provide a safe space in in which they might speak up about things that they naturally wouldn't. It's because people are finding a sensory balance outdoors, the wind, the weather. They're usually moving. These are all things that provide safety in our natural tribal mind that says we're okay. We're not enclosed. There is no danger. Outdoor time has also proven to increase serotonin. This is your mood stabilizer. So those people that are off and on, this might balance them out a little bit. It also increases their dopamine because of the sunlight, the natural air, the fresh air that's coming in. That's a natural reward and happy hormone. These are all habit hormones that people produce naturally when they're in certain environments. So use those free tools. The last option you can do for a cognitive reset is address in a department meeting some team members or skills or projects that are being neglected. There's nothing worse than over-responsible, under-responsible elephant in the room. Are there things that are not being completed or not being communicated well? How can those be addressed as a team? Those can be easily addressed without pointing fingers by just talking about opportunities that can improve. Hey, we're really busy. I want to make this week, this month, this quarter a little bit easier for you. What can we do as a team to be more effective? Boom. No pointing fingers. It's all about communication. Hey, I'm not getting enough out of this meeting. Hey, I have too many meetings. Okay, let's change. What do you guys need to be successful? Again, this is a team conversation. So although you are leading and facilitating the conversation, it doesn't mean that you own it. If you want to speak more to me about that, please schedule a coaching session on my website or enroll in the Leading with Intent coaching program in which we really dive into that. So aside from providing a little bit more safe conversations during your one-on-ones and applying some cognitive resets throughout the day, throughout the week, the last tool I want to give you for re-engagement post-pandemic is from Mazak and Leiter, 25-year research around burnout and how the work environment 
affects people's burnout levels. I'm going to pull the top two that I'm seeing inside workforces when I do workshops, the people that are contacting me through social media. And the first one is work overload. Certainly, we're in a time where there's less people, less resources, and still you have to go 100 miles per hour. But you have to realize each human has a limit. When there's not enough resources or time, a human cannot actually complete a function effectively. And for most people that are in the workforce, that bothers them. Not just perfectionists, but people actually want to do a good job. I have yet to work with someone that doesn't care or take pride in their work. That's why they show up every day. Here's what happens when someone is in that mode too long of a work overload, or they can't get things done in an effective manner. In Emily Nagowski's book, Burnout, she talks about the study of mice and a learned helplessness, and this is how it happened. There was one mouse that was in a tank swimming around in water, no flotation or safety to get out. There was one mouse in a maze, in a box, no exit, it would run around, run around. It didn't take much time, and this mouse this mouse went to the corner and just floated. This mouse in the maze crawled in a corner and stopped moving. Then, as part of this research, they put safety in. They gave this mouse a raft in their tank. They gave this mouse an exit of a maze. The mice did not move. Learned helplessness. They gave up. This is no different in humans. If you keep them in a chaotic nature in which they cannot succeed, they cannot do their work effectively, they feel underwater daily, they will learn that they are failing. Regardless of additional resources, you eventually get them, additional people you may add, new programs and software that you may install, it may be too late. And it takes a longer time to get out of these phases, this learn helplessness, than if you do it proactively, which is what we're talking about today. So what work actually needs to happen to run your business and what can wait? What are wins that they really want to work on that they can incorporate through the week to keep them moving forward, to work towards something that's going to help them? And what can wait? Are you having those discussions? I worked in manufacturing for 16 years. It is low budgets, low people, extremely fast paced. Those conversations rarely happen. You always add. We need to subtract some things. What do we need to subtract so that people can do the work in an effective manner, in a timely manner, and not be drowning into the learned helplessness? Work overload, the number one work environment factor that's feeding their burnout. The other one that Meslak and Leiter talk about that I think is really prevalent and I want to talk about today is lack of control. When everyone's environment was kind of shaken to the core with the pandemic, they lost a lot of control at their home, school, maybe they're caregiving for someone. They couldn't even go to store to get food. The natural instincts of, of protection kick in. So now there's two things that's gonna happen at work. The lack of control is gonna get them to snap at people a little bit sooner because everyone is a threat to them now. Or two, they're gonna get over controlling at work which makes other people under responsible because they're trying to grasp at something they can control something that they're good at, something to say, I'm okay, and they become over-controlling. I remember even at um, the lowest parts of my burnout, I would have so much to do. I was working like 70, 80-hour weeks, 24-7, on call for COVID, quarantines and calls, and I would like clean the kitchen. We had a janitorial service that came at night, but I'd be cleaning the kitchen. I just need to complete something. 
I needed something that I was fully in control of that I could see transform from this to this and check it off my list. It had nothing to do with HR. It had nothing to do with a giant laundry list of priorities that I had to do, but I needed a win. I didn't realize that at the time. It was a huge time waster, but I now know I need to be over controlling in one area so that I could feel safe and that I was moving forward. This is the zombie mode I was talking about. So the two that we talked about today was overload of work and lack of control from Mazak and Lighter. But I want you to know in the employer toolkit on my website, there is plenty more information if you really want to move your workforce from burnout, from this zombie mode and back to energy. I hope that you use these three re-engagement tools of providing safe conversations during your one-on-one, a cognitive reset, a couple tools into your meetings and departments, and using some of that 25-year research of burnout and using two of the tools to move your workforce out of burnout and back to energy. I know you're not lazy. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here working on self-growth. Piecing together the puzzle is half the adventure, and finding energy towards your new habits is the other. Do not underestimate the strength in your actions. Check out videos on burnout tools to move from zombie mode to liveliness on my website. See you soon.